You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. I'll be hosting Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. With me as always is my co-host Kev, who you can follow on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. Kev, how's everything? Evening, Matt. Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you very much. Uh, been a busy day for me. I've put my Christmas tree up today. Um, nice. Just trying not to get too carried away with Christmas just yet. There's plenty of the fantasy season to go, uh, plenty of playoffs to get into and also a few championships to win, so... Yeah, just trying to get my priorities right for now, and that will be fantasy over Christmas. Nice. So you're not too tired from staying up and watching your Eagles last night, then? Are you uh, good to go? No, I'm I'm good to go. I'll, I'll come on to it later, but yeah, that was uh, that was time. I wish I could get back. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of time, we'll we'll crack on today because obviously we've got the the full slate this week. Um, obviously apart from the Ravens and Steelers game that keeps getting put back and postponed. So we'll recap week twelve, and we'll start with the Texans against the Lions. Yeah, so the Texans won on the road at the Lions, 41-25 on Thanksgiving. And this was on the back of a, a couple of big games from the QB, Deshaun Watson, and also Will Fuller. Um, <laughs> we now know why Will Fuller stayed healthy all season, because he's been uh, taking some performance-enhancing drugs, uh, which has left him getting a six-game ban, which will rule him out for the remainder of this season. Um, the result um, with the Lions losing led to the firing of coach Patricia, which I think it should have a positive effect on the Lions skill position players as a whole moving forward. I think Patricia's been a really poor head coach. I don't think he's done a great job of maximising talent or utilising players to the best of their ability. Thinking of guys like Kerryon Johnson when he was uh, running back last season and also Swift this season, not using him properly or not using him as often as he should. Um, I think there's various weapons in this offence that have flashed upside at times during his tenure, but I think there'll be more to come from these Lions skilled players moving forward now that Patricia has gone. So with him out of Detroit now, I'm just wondering your thoughts on if there's any Lions player that you'd be looking to target as a value in either trades now or drafting as a value in startups next off-season? Right. So, the same value. So, obviously, as you mentioned, with, with Patricia being sacked, we're, we're, we're hoping that, obviously, uh, DeAndre Swift's going to get that uptick in um, in usage and everything. We, we, we all said how we were disappointed that he, he went to Detroit, obviously, with Patricia there. So, I don't think we're going to get him at a value anymore because <laughs> I think everyone's going to be in the same boat, aren't they? And then... Um, Expected big things from Swift has already flashed out how good he can be as that lead back. So I think we've lost any value with uh, with Swift. But I think if I were if I was going to say a value, I'd go Kenny Galladay personally. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Galladay. I have been since he, he entered the NFL. And I think we can get him at a value because obviously he's injured at the minute as well. I think there's going to be owners that are going to be frustrated that he's obviously not on the field at the moment. And I think obviously with Trisha moving on now. We're going to hope that this this offense just elevates with a with a new head coach. So for me personally, if I'm looking for somebody, I think I'm targeting Galladay. Um, what about yourself, Kev? Yeah, we, we've got the same trail of thoughts on this one. It's, it's Galladay for me as well. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's just 
the, the fact that he's been injured, you, you tend to get a bit of a discount because people forget how good he is. Uh, he was a wide receiver nine last season. Uh, and I think also you, you benefit from the fact that next season he'll turn 28. And we, we do know a lot of dynasty players that see uh, a wide receiver get past mm-hmm. the age like 26, 27. And the, 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 the consider him done for like just Keenan Allen springs to mind from the top of my head of a guy that's still got plenty to give. But um, they see the age and just, just they don't want to know really. They go for these younger wide receivers of upside. So I think Galladay's one. And then just the only other one, quick mention to Matt Stafford, uh, if he's still around. I just feel like he, he struggled a little bit this season without Galladay. So having him back will, will bump him up again as sort of a, a safe QB. Uh, and also, depending on the the way they go with the, the coaching, you look at offense as a whole, you've got Galladay, you've got Hawkinson and Swift, and I think that's a pretty decent carver yeah. and a potentially potent offense. Yeah, I, I agree. Stafford's also a great shout, Kev. Um, obviously, we know how, how good he was last season before he got hurt. Um, absolutely dominated in that first half of the season and then obviously picked up the injury. And this season as well, he's, he's, he's not been up to that level that we all hoped he would be, but he's still, as you say, a... A consistent guy, someone you can always rely on. So, as we say, if this offense is gonna gonna take a step forward, then Stafford's gonna be gonna be leading that field. So, yeah, great shout on Stafford as well. Yeah, nobody's sad that Patricia's gone. No, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> so we'll move on to the next game, which was the Washington Football Team against the Cowboys. Quite a comfortable victory in this one for the Washington Football Team. Impressive performances from both star receivers from from both sides. Amari Cooper having a big day and also Terry McLaurin for, for Washington having a good game. But I think that we have to say this was the Antonio Gibson show. Oh, yes. And I absolutely loved it. <laughs> <laughs> 20 rushing attempts for 115 yards and three touchdowns. What a day. Wow. And not just that, he, actually, he added 21 yards as well with five receptions. And I think that's quite notable because obviously we know that J.D. McKissick's been... Um, Fulturing a lot of those uh, those targets, and he's been the, the third down running back in this offense. So it was good to see Gibson again um, having a little boost in in the in the receptions. So he's still a rookie, obviously Gibson. It's his rookie season. He's now the RB five in fantasy. So putting up great performance as a as a rookie. And um, mentioning Terry McLaurin earlier as a, as a third round pick last year. I think we found another third round gem for Washington here in Gibson. Yeah, yeah. So that's the round for them, isn't it? If, if any <laughs> more players yeah. get taken in round three next. Just, uh, just trade away those first two picks yeah. and uh, <laughs> just take all the third round picks. But yeah, seeing plenty of talk actually in the, in the community that Gibson could be the actual RB1 in, in these rookies that have come in this season. And I've, been, I've seen him being mentioned as a, even an early second round draft pick in, in startups um, next off season. Do you agree, Kev? And is this just the, the tip of the iceberg with Gibson? Because obviously he's not really being used in that third down role. And um, arguably that's his, the best part of his games receiving, obviously being a, predominantly a wide receiver in college with Memphis. So, yeah, what's your feelings? I mean, first off, we'll, we'll just disclaim that this is an Antonio Gibson pod. Oh, we do. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> We do we do like Gibson a lot. Um, I love love Gibson. Love Gibson a lot. Wow, <laughs> that, that is a strong word. Um, yeah, I guess I guess for me Gibson, talk of him being the rookie running back one. I think that is a little bit too high for me. Just I, I think we know that there's so much potential, and if mm. he does 
if he does hit and if everything goes uh, sort of his way, mm-hmm. running back one is definitely within his range of outcomes. I see more in the second tier of rookie running back. So yep. I've got Swift and Edward Zolaire at the top in, mm-hmm. in their own tier. And then I've sort of got a tier of four, I believe, with uh, Gibson, Jonathan Taylor, Dobbins and James Robinson. Yeah. The, the reason he's not in my top tier is just I do wonder about sort of the QB situation in Washington. Like, yeah. I, I know Alex Smith's done fantastic and he's really uh, he's really great for the pass catching running backs as such. Mm-hmm. But I just I just think like imagine if after this season, for example, Washington decide uh, you know what we'll we'll give Cam Newton a try. He's familiar with Ron Rivera. Uh, and and the, the offense as such, having someone like a Cam Newton or a rushing QB as a whole, that would hurt Gibson. I think a bit like Dobbins in in Baltimore, where they're not going to get a ton of pass catching opportunity. Mm. So that'd be just one worry on Gibson. But I do think he's he definitely deserves to be considered in the in 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 the top three or four. It's just not the top two for me. I think that. You've got CH in a fantastic situation, and you've got Swift that, looking at it, looks probably like the best running back in the in the in the class. Uh, where do you stand on the top of this rookie running back class? Yeah, I find it interesting. Obviously, we're mentioning how um, with Gibson, we 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 tend to be looking at that potential, and it kind of reminds me of Josh Jacobs last year. How we're all hoping we're going to get that receiving work. Obviously, we know that. That Josh Jacobs is a good a good receiving back, and he wasn't getting that work with the Raiders. I feel like it's kind of that with Gibson as well. We all know that he can he can take up the receiving work, but we just we're basically paying for for the potential, aren't we? Rather than paying for his floor and and what we know he can do. So, yeah, I think it mentioning second round um, in startups next year. I think that is a bit bit too high for me personally. Yeah. But if you're a believer, I think that's probably what you've got to pay. So if you believe that he's got that potential, then I've got no issue with, with somebody taking him that early. And uh, just touching on the Cam Newton, um, Cam Newton possibly going to Washington, that's quite an interesting one. Um, made some good points, but we keep hearing that uh, Gibson's like the the mini CMC, the mini Christian <laughs> McCaffrey. Yeah. And obviously he performed with Cam Newton there. Did, so yeah. are, are we going to say that it's... Uh, foregone conclusion that uh, Gibson can't do it with somebody like Cam there but mm, yeah you make a good point there Matt I just I just one, one last thing on the uh, in being like a potential early second round pick in startups mm-hmm. I just think like in Superflex imagine if you went QB round one mm. would you feel comfortable taking Gibson as you That's went in that yeah. one and I don't think I am despite how much I think he's a fantastic player and we love mm-hmm. him on this show I just yeah. <laughs> it's just that I guess that uncertainty, that that boom bust sort of thing, where you think running back one, do I really want to do that? Because I think ideally yeah. in, in startups or in any draft, really at the start, you want to be minimising risk. Yeah, for sure. I think if you if you're taking a running back early, you want somebody that's you want to know what you're getting, don't you? Want to you want to know that you you what you're paying is you're getting what you pay for, basically. Whereas yeah. Gibson, you're just hoping, aren't you? You're hoping it, it hits those those heights that we hope it can it can get to, but. It's it's a big risk, and I don't think it's a risk I want to take as as somebody being my RB one. How much prefers me to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we will move on to the next game, which was the Raiders at the Falcons. 
Yeah, so Falcons comfortably won this one. Um, it was a surprise, shocking performance from Derek Carr. I know he was touted in a lot of DFS circles this weekend, uh, but he, he had a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. Um, on the Falcons side, it was a real team effort. They had four different touchdown scorers. And one of those was Calvin Ridley, who once again stepped up in the absence of Julio Jones to have a solid fancy day. And he's, he's making a bit of a habit of this. In his three games without Julio, he's, he's had a fantasy floor of 16.7 fantasy points, which is, is great because Lovely. he's proving to be the, uh, a capable alpha and the focal point when Julio's not there. Uh, and he's currently sitting as the wide receiver seven in fantasy points per game this season. I think that one of my concerns with Ridley before the year that what would happen after Julio went? Could he be the man himself? Could he be the... The, the Batman as such, or is he a better Robin? And I just think that he's sort of, he's sort of, um, he's put that to bed really that he can be that alpha. And I can only see his arrow pointing up in the future. Let's let's not forget he's only twenty five. He's yeah. He, he, I still think he's underrated personally. You don't hear him yeah. mentioned uh, near the top of dynasty wide receiver rankings. Um, and I think the fact that he's done it without Julio, it shows that he's less risk moving forward, that you, you know exactly what you're getting with him. So uh, we, we know the NFC South is littered with outstanding wide receiver talent from a dynasty point of view. Players like Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, DJ Moore. Well, where do you see Ridley in relation to these NFC South stars? Yeah, it's an interesting one, this for me, because as you mentioned, four wide receivers there that are all could all put them as, as a wide receiver one in Dynasty quite easily. Yeah. Um, but they've all got this one this one problem that's the, the same with all of them, and that's the quarterback for each team. So if we, if we go through them all, Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, how long is he going to be, be there for? Obviously, yeah. we know that Hill stepped in and he has targeted Thomas quite a lot, but is Hill somebody you can rely on as a quarterback? God, Godwin, obviously, Brady. Yeah. He's not getting any younger. DJ Moore's got Teddy Bridgeporter, who's... Is 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 looked serviceable this year, but how long do we think uh, the Panthers are gonna gonna stick with Teddy? And then obviously yeah. Ridley's got Matt Ryan, who, who's getting up there in age, and he's not really looked he's not looked himself this year. I don't think personally. Um, he's, Matt Ryan's put up for quite a few real disappointing performances and against teams that you'd expect him to um, to put the points up against. So I think all of them have that one issue for me, and it's it's the quarterback uh, situation, but. Going as far as who I think is the best out of those four, I think... Vicky, oh, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it is. As we say, the four great wide receivers. I want to say Ridley. Honestly, I do I do want to say Ridley. Um, Goblin's somebody that I, I missed the boat on last year when, uh, obviously, he blew up. I didn't get him um, when everyone... It was, it was basically a foregone conclusion that Goblin was going to break out that year and I, and I didn't yeah. grab him. So, he's somebody that I've never really had, but... Yeah, I, I think I, I would take Ridley over over those guys. Thomas is arguably the best, maybe talent-wise, but as we mentioned in, in previous weeks, it's that the, the off-field um, the off-field issues with, with Thomas that, that concerns me. DJ Moore's brilliant. He's still only young. He's 22, 23, DJ Moore. So, yeah, 23, 25, yeah. Yeah, so he, he's still got plenty of years left, and he's looked good this year without being great. He's not got that uh, reception total that we we're hoping for, but he still puts up good yardage. So he's somebody that if they've got a new quarterback, he could definitely take that step forward. Um, yeah, tough on that, Kev. You've put me in a tough situation with that one. 
you'd be happy with any of them. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. That's it. I think if you've got any of those four guys or two of those guys as, as your, your wide receiver one and two in Dynasty, I think you're delighted with, with those. What about yourself? Yeah, I think it's really close on this one. I guess if, if I just had to make a snap decision, I'd probably lean Ridley as well, just because yeah. I think that out of those four, I think he's probably got the uh, the best chance of his value spiking uh, in the mm-hmm. next sort of year or so. Just yeah. thinking that uh, Michael Thomas is probably going to lose Breeze. Uh, mm-hmm. Godwin, he's a free agent potentially. Uh, you don't really see players' values go up in free agency. Um, obviously, New Hopkins moved in the off-season. His value went up, but that was through a trade. And DJ Moyes flashed it, definitely. But again, it's sort of knowing who that QB is long-term. So I think yeah. I think, I think Ryan can be serviceable, but I would imagine that if Julio does retire this off-season, potentially, mm-hmm. then I'd, I, I think Ridley's value would spike and go up because he has shown he can do it with all yeah. about Julio. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I agree on that one, Kev. But as I say, it's it's just it's just weird how they're they're all obviously brilliant and they've all got that as I say that one that one issue for me and it's it's the quarterback for all of them. Um, but yeah, so we'll move on to the next game, which was the Chargers at the Bills. Bills moving to eight and three with with their twenty seven to seventeen victory over the Chargers. Uh, it was quite comfortable in the end, even though they had a slight wobble in that third quarter, start of the fourth. But quite quite a comfortable victory for the Bills. Uh, but I think the main talking point with this one was the return of Austin Eckler from that injury and coming back with a, an absolute bang in this one. Straight back into a, a heavy roll with a 73% snap share, which was brilliant to see. Uh, the rushing stat line was nothing spectacular, but he did get 14 carries, so it was good to see him getting those carries. But he did only turn out to 44 yards, so as I say, nothing, nothing spectacular. But it was a receiving game, weren't it, where, where he oh, always, yeah. does his, always does his damage and... Did some serious damage in this one with 16 targets, turned out into 11 receptions for 85 yards. But just unreal seeing those amount of targets. That's something that we always speak about on this pod. How um, targets and, and receptions for running backs are just absolute king, aren't they? When it comes yeah, to fantasy yeah. football, um, we have to we have to say that it was probably due to the fact that the Chargers were down weren't they, quite early in this one, so yeah. chasing the game. And obviously, we know how good Eckler is in just an easy outlet for, for Herbert. So that could have been part of the reason why he got so many targets. But that's got quite a nice schedule for the rest of the season. He's got the Patriots and the Falcons, Raiders and the Broncos. So nothing nothing too hard really in those four games. So I think if you've got him and um, in your in your rosters and you're going into the to the playoffs, I think you'd be quite happy having having Eckler as you as you're running back. Yeah. So to me I think Eckler's a bit of a, like an Alvin Kamara light for me, I think. Um Obviously, with Justin Herbert looking great, people were worried about Herbert this coming into this year, but he's looked fantastic. We know he's got an absolute cannon of an arm as well, so he keeps posing defences honest. And because of that, and because it's opening up that room for Eckler, I think I've started to move Eckler up in my rankings. Obviously, I've got nothing down nothing down final at the moment, but it's, it's, it's hard for me to, to keep him outside of that, that getting up there as a, as a top-tier running back for me. Um, yeah, what what are your feelings on Eckler in Dynasty? Would you would you be comfortable having him as him as your your RB one in your Dynasty rosters? Well, I'm a bit like yourself, Matt. I tend not to have rankings down in uh, like set in stone, uh, written down somewhere in the season. Uh, I, I tend to keep it in my head and mm-hmm. sort of for, for me with Eckler, 
just thinking about it, he's, he's definitely an RB1 in Dynasty for me. I think he was sort of in that 12 to 15 range mm-hmm. in startups, but that I think that was due to the fact that the expectation that Tyrod Taylor was going to be the QB and that Herbert was not regarded to be a potentially elite prospect, but I think Herbert's the key, really, the fact that since he's come in, that the three games that he's he's played with Eckler, he's, I mean, he's, he had um, he had four targets in the first game, but then he's had eleven and sixteen in in the yeah. two after that. So I think we know we know past game works massive for mm-hmm. a player's dynasty value, and also he's he's twenty five, which is he's still got a good couple of years in him. Yeah. Um, and plus, he's got a contract, and I think that's really important that we know that he's going to be in this offense tied to Herbert, etc. So I, I would be comfortable having him as my running back one. I think anybody that's sort of held on to him and remained mm-hmm. in contention will be very excited for the uh, upcoming schedule. And uh, I think he's a sort of running back that can potentially win you a, a ship this season. Yeah, for sure. As, as you mentioned with the contracts, obviously. Signed it in this off season, wasn't it? I believe yeah. a four year contract, and it was on quite good money. It was it was on that starting running back money. I think obviously nothing at the heights of some of the the top paid guys, but it was it was still a contract that major believers a fantasy play that echoes the long term running back for this uh, for this franchise. So that's obviously a positive when it comes to fantasy. Um, yeah, he's, as I say, he's, he's like a Alvin Kamara light for me. He's getting he's getting the rushing attempts as well. Um, obviously, I mentioned fourteen this week, which is. It's, arguably, that's more than what Kamara gets uh, in terms of rushing. Uh, week one, he had 19, then 16, week two, 12, uh, week three. So he's getting the rushing work on top of the receiving work. So he's, he's, I think he's really underrated, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of people that, that are believers in him, but I still don't think that he's being valued at what he should be personally. Right. I, think, I think he could easily be top six, maybe, running yeah. back as high as that because... As I say, I think Herbert, as we mentioned Herbert, I think he's the main the main reason why he's, Eckler's taking this bump for me. I think it's just this whole offense is going to improve. Um, as I say, keeping opposing defenses honest. So I honestly think, yeah, Eckler, the sky's the limit for Eckler. And I still think I'd be trying to buy him now. I don't think yeah. he's reached that peak value yet. So yeah, I, I think, think Eckler's a, a great target. I think you're right, and in in the rookie rankings, after the first four, and then maybe a few like Swift and Edwards Alaire, it's kind of a I think it's a bit of a, a minefield. Like you see guys like Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders there, and I think if just just re, it's really clear to me that Austin yeah. Eckler, I'd rather have Austin Eckler than all of those guys. So yeah. when you, when you're saying running back five or six, I think you're you're bang on with what some people will have him and what they probably should have him as. Yeah, I think it all, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think a lot of it stems down to maybe name value. Obviously, I say name value, but it's because he was an undrafted free agent, wasn't he, Eckler, when he, when he, when he yeah. joined the NFL? Yeah. Or a very late pick if, if he was uh, picked in the in the draft. And I think that's quite similar to, as you mentioned, like Robinson this year, obviously, is because he went undrafted. People just don't, they don't want to admit that he's as good as he is. I think that he's well, he's got no draft equity or whatever, and he's got, he hasn't got that, that draft capital with his name, and I think that's what knocks him down. I think that might be possibly why people are low on Eckler. They, they don't want to admit that he's as good as he is. Yeah, we might come on to Robinson later if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. So <laughs> we'll move on to the next game then, which was the Giants against the Bengals. Go on, you Giants. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I've got to, <laughs> I've got to cover this one. Yes. Um, <laughs> the, the Giants won on the road at the Bengals. Uh, hey. 19-17. <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't pretty, but the, the no. Giants did squeeze past the um, Barolas Bengals on the road. Um, it takes them to the top of the NFC East with their four and seven record. Um, I mean, the, the only guys that really stood out to me in this one was the QB proof. Uh, T. Higgins, um, yeah. Wayne Gorman looked pretty good as well. I think he's on a, a six touchdowns in five games, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but the guy that we're going to look at deeper is the Giants tight end, Evan Engram, um, who had his highest single game reception yards of his career with 129 on six catches. Uh, he's been a really polarizing dude most of his mm-hmm. career. Uh, he's shown bags of talent in flashes, but he has suffered too many injuries and inconsistencies now this is the first season he's actually stayed healthy but like I said he's, he has been inconsistent he's currently ranking as the tight end 10 on the season he, he is tied up uh, through 2021 uh, on the um, sort of the option on his rookie deal um, but at, at 26 I think he's a guy that should be reaching his peak even now or in the near future um, his current cost is a second-round draft pick. Would you be comfortable going after Engram and trading for him and actually using him as your tight end one? I think I would, you know. Yeah, I think I would. Uh, and that's not just because I'm a Giants fan and it's not a home pick I've mentioned before. I definitely don't pick Giants players because I'm a, I'm a Giants fan. I, I can't stand having Giants players on my fantasy teams because I just can't deal with the double disappointment when, when they inevitably lose. But yeah, I think... Engram's somebody I'd definitely be targeting. I know a league we're in, you saw that I traded for Engram a couple of yeah. months ago. So yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of his talent. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the one concerns always the injuries. But he stayed off this year. I don't know if he's uh, been to see Will Fuller's doctor or whatever, but he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's definitely keeping on the field this year. And he's shown flashes, but again, nothing spectacular. Uh, Titan 10, did you mention? Yeah, yeah. Titan 10. But I think, is he, I believe he's fourth in targets or third, tied third, I think, in, in targets. So, and that's something that I think is key when it comes to tight ends. We know how much of a mess the tight end position can be. They can easily put up, such as this week, Jonah Smith putting up no catches, no targets. It's quite easily done at tight end. So when you've got that tight end that gets plenty of targets, they always tend to be quite a a key asset to have in your, in your rosters such as like Travis Kelsey and, and Kittle those guys that have seen plenty of targets so I think that's what maybe makes me pivot towards wanting to get Ingram just because of that Would um, you um, would you worry about what how that looks next season with Saquon yeah, Barkley coming back? That's it, that's the one concern and I think I mentioned it before Harry, it, it's weird how it always seems to be one if one's out, the other one's in yeah. and it's the other way around, they never seem to be on the field yeah. together that often <laughs> Obviously, as we mentioned, Ingram's had his, his injury troubles in the past. Um, yeah, that is a concern. I'll admit that is a concern. Um, Still in Shepherd as well gets used quite a lot um, on those short routes. So he eats into Ingram's targets. But yeah, I think I'm, I'd be happy to target him as my Titan one. I don't think there's that many better options. And we've mentioned it just becomes an absolute minefield when you start getting towards that, that bottom end of, of Titans. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I think for me on this one, I, my my old philosophy at tight end is sort of 
go after one of the the, the, the main stars as such, mm-hmm. the top three or four maybe, um, or punt the position. So I think for me, yeah. it's, it's all dependent on sort of what other tight end options I've got and and sort of where where the draft pick would be in the round two. Because I do think for a, for a tight end in round two, there's, there's loads of different guys you could go for. Like, uh, just thinking off the top of my head, uh, Dallas Goddard, for example. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable going after Engram if there's not a lot in my tight end two free spot. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that if you've maybe got a couple of guys similar to Evan Engram that are maybe bit more boom bust uh, with a bit of potential uh, you could probably play the matchups and manage to get a tight end one based on yeah. playing the matchups uh, is what what i go for yeah yeah that's a, that's a great point to be fair um i think i'm a, bit, a slightly different to you i don't mind getting that that second tier of tight end so people like engram uh got it who you mentioned uh hunter henry as well i think he's Quite serviceable as it is a tight end, and he's looked he's looked pretty good with um, Justin Herbert at quarterback. I think guys like that, I'm more maybe I lean towards being fine with taking those guys. But as you say, it all depends on how the draft falls in, in your startups. And it's yeah, going back to your question with mm, yeah, they got me second guessing myself now. Kevin, <laughs> now that you've now that you've yes. put some. <laughs> Now you've made your points. I'm starting to second guess myself. Uh, no, I'll stand firm. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still a fan of Engram as my my tight end one. I, mean, I, I just think. love, I love how I've got your second guessing a Giants player. That's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> I told you, I'm not, a, I'm not a homer kid when it comes to my Giants. I, I don't, I'll happily have none on my roster apart from Saquon. <laughs> so we'll move on to his next game, which was the Titans against the Colts. Absolute dominant performance here by the by the Titans against. Probably one of the best defenses in, in the NFL in the Colts. So really good performance by the Titans. AJ Brown having a, a great game, uh, putting up a great 69-yard catch and run as well for his touchdown, which was great. So that's twice, two weeks in a row now, isn't it, where I've seen AJ Brown putting up a highlight touchdown. Beast. Absolute beast. But talking of beast, we'll talk about the, the main guy in this one, Derek Henry, stole the show, as I mentioned, with Gibson. Not too far off a, a similar show performance by, by Henry. 27 attempts, 178 yards, three touchdowns. Wow. Absolute dominant performance. He's now the RB3. And I think we're going to have to start calling him Henry the Hoover because he's just he hoovers up those rushing yards. 1,257 yards already this season. He's, just, he's unreal when it comes to, to running the ball. That's his third game in a row now with 100 yards. So that's taking him to seven. Uh, games with over 100 yards out of the 11 is played so just as I say just looking at unreal on the ground you just can't stop him can you it's just an absolute yeah, he's, unit of a man he's, yeah. he's huge so good <laughs> but his remaining schedule as well we've got to talk about that because it is so tasty If I think if you haven't got him now you're probably not going to get him because someone's going to see this schedule and think I can't let him go he's, he's got the Browns then the Jags then the Lions and then the Packers so all, I think all four of those are bottom six in, against the the run. I think um, there might be one that's that's ten. I think, but the other the other three are all top six uh, to play against the running backs to play against. So great yeah. schedule. 
And I think Henry could quite easily carry it to 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 a title with, with just on that schedule alone. I think he could do it on his own with, with the performance he's been putting up. So, despite his his lack of involvement in the receiving game, is it time now that we we start talking about Derek Henry as a top tier running back purely based on his, on his dominance on the ground? Yeah, I mean, uh, when, when I. When I think about this, I just think about the like the last off season where he was going in like round three, round four sometimes mm. in start in the startups, and yeah. it makes you laugh a bit because yeah. everyone was saying, "Oh, he's twenty six and he's not involved in the pass game," and mm-hmm. obviously that is a concern because it does make him more risky. But you, I think yeah. as Henry only, you've just got to bite the bullet and, and realize that he has got weak winning potential every week and. Even in his bad weeks, he's he's not giving you a zero as such. He's giving you maybe six to eight points as as a flaw. But that's in a in a, an absolute worst case scenario. I think we yeah. we we should be talking about him more. Yeah. Uh, you see guys like it's going to sound like I'm picking on him here, but Nick <laughs> Chubb put up a like round running back six, and Josh Jacobs at running back seven. I just think like Derrick Henry brings more to the table as a rusher than them two, and they were both great runners themselves. But I just think as a runner, he is the best running back in the NFL as a runner. Um, he's 26, of course he is, but he doesn't look like he's slowing down to me. I think he's got another good couple of years. Uh, the the offense is pretty stable. They'd lose Conklin in the off season, but. They've covered up that pretty well, and like I say, the schedule is fantastic. I think he, yeah. a little bit like Eckler and uh, maybe an Aaron Jones type, that have got amazing schedules. I would, I'd, I'd expect to see Henry on a few championship winning rosters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think you have to consider him in, in maybe not the top tier, maybe not be like it with your CMC, your, your Saquons, but. Yeah. He's got to be top, minimum top eight for me, I think, in Dynasty. Where do, where do you have him? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I, I wouldn't quite put him in that bracket of McCaffrey and, and Barkley, players like that. But, yeah, top eight, even top... I'd probably put him five, maybe. I think I'd put him right up at, at five. Okay, five, yeah, uh, head of the rookies, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I think I'd still have him ahead of... Until we see a bit more from the rookies... Um, I don't think any any of really obviously we mentioned Gibson's currently the RB5 so he's looked brilliant but Henry's just doing it on a consistent basis the last two years yeah. finished RB5 last year as well so it's a proven talent I think sometimes we get a bit too cute in fantasy and we we want that, that shiny new that shiny new toy and yeah. go for the rookies but when somebody like Henry's there staying in the face I think yeah you definitely got to mention him as, as one of the best Running running backs in the in the NFL for sure. Um, just yeah, he's just we sound a bit like hypocrites actually, don't we? Because we've just been talking about how key uh, receptions and that are for your, for your running backs. But Henry's that good on the ground. He, he makes up for it, doesn't he? As you say, he's, even in a worst possible case scenario, he's still putting up numbers because he's just so so dominant on the ground. He's two hundred fifty pounds. You're not stopping him, are you? At some point, he's going to break off the. A, a big run at least or at least just keep pounding those yards in so exactly and I think if you see somebody that's touting Nick Chubb or Josh Jacobs and the they're not as high on Derrick Henry and mm. they they deserve a slap yeah that's it if you're if you're high on Nick Chubb I think you have to be high on Derrick Henry because 
they're pretty similar, aren't they? They both neither are being used that much in the receiving game. They're both great rushes of the ball. Yeah. But neither using that receiving game. So I think if you are a Chub fan, you you've got to be a Henry fan and arguably Henry's better. He's, he's he finishes better in, in fantasy, so well, yeah. uh, that is fantastic. Thank you very much for confirming <laughs> that if Rich is listening. <laughs> <laughs> and quite a nice segue that onto his next game because it's the Cleveland Browns at the Jacks. Yeah, so this was a, another close loss for the Jags, 27 to 25. They now dropped to 1 and 10 on the season and remain firmly in the hunt for one of the top QB prospects in next year's draft. Um, we, we just mentioned Chubb, they had no answer to him in this one. He had 176 yards and a touchdown, which led to 26.6 fantasy points. However, it was the Jags running back, James Robinson, who actually outscored him in this one. Yeah. Uh, Robinson had 128 yards and a touchdown on the ground, but also he had five catches for 31 through the air, which gave him a little bit more than Chubb, 26.9 fantasy points in total. Now, with Robinson, I continue to be mightily impressed with him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mentioned before that he he's an undrafted rookie, but he's shown ability as a runner and a receiver. Uh, he's done it the last two weeks with QBs that, being honest, they wouldn't look out of place working at Chick-fil-A um, and against tough opposition in the Steelers and the Browns. He's currently the running back for the season, and it, but he continues to be one of the most intriguing assets and intriguing prospects in Dynasty. So I'm going to ask you, Matt, on this one, what percentage are you that he remains the day one starter for the Jags going into next season? And if you were a contender this season, what's the max you pay for him to to get him on your rosters now for this final push to the ship? Right. So it's, percentage that I think he's going to start. Yes. Percentage he starts next season. <sighs> If I'm honest, that percentage is definitely increasing for me each going week, I think. Um, if you'd have asked me this maybe a couple of months ago, I said, no, no chance that Robinson's going to be the starter next year. If you've got him and you can get a first for him, I'd trade him away. But yeah. as the weeks go on, he's just constantly putting up the numbers. As you mentioned, he's just he's played the, the Steelers and the Browns recently, putting up good performances against good uh, run defences. I think we've got to now start thinking he has potential to be the the running back on, on the Jags for, a, for quite a while. We, do we really think the Jags are going to invest draft capital in a running back when they've got needs, so many other needs? Obviously, we know quarterback, that's got to be the, the first target in, in round one. They've got to go quarterback, I think, if they're getting one of those top picks. Um, but yeah, I just think because the Jags are in such a mess, we know they've traded away quite a few uh, assets this, this off-season. I just think there's that many more needs on on the roster. Why why waste a, a pick on a on a running back? Maybe get somebody in later on that can complement Robinson. But I'm I'm honestly starting to believe yeah that Robinson at least for next year is going to be the starter. Yeah. Because why 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 do they need to? They don't they don't need to. They've got as I said too many more issues on the roster. Why not just keep rolling with Robinson? It, you don't need to get rid of him for me. Yeah, I I agree. I think for me, somewhere between maybe seventy five to one hundred percent that he's actually the start yeah. of next season. I think there might be somebody brought in. Um, yeah, I guess I guess the worry is that he's got this free down role. So if somebody does come in, they're gonna take something away from him. Uh, but he's been he's been fantastic on a on a really bad team as well. So 
yeah, that's um, it. It, was, it looked great running it. So even if somebody comes in and takes a few receptions, I won't be too worried, to be honest. I, there's not many running backs in the NFL anymore that are, that are workhorses, apart from the guys yeah. that you're paying top dollar for. So yeah. I still think he's a, a great player. Um, going on to your question about what I'd pay. I think pay whatever you need to pay, I think, to get him if you're a contender. Um, <laughs> without being too crazy and uh, selling the farm to get him. Um, a first, I'd give a first now, I think, yeah. I'd go up to possibly a mid-first for him, I think. I can't believe I'm saying that because I would never have said that a month or two ago. So, yeah, what, what do you think, Kevin? I know you, you gave me a little uh, slid into my DMs the other day asking about Robinson and another player, a new one who I'd prefer. I did. I, w- I wanted to keep it on the sly. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll just say, is there any way we could do this without giving the game plan away? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've put an offer out there for for two firsts for James Robinson, one this year, one next year. Um, yeah. th- it, to be honest, I, I don't think it'll get accepted. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I just think that, it, it, that it, this is the game you're playing to win. And I think that for a, for a guy that's potentially going to be in the league for four, five, six years, it's, it's worth the risk. I'd be less, less inclined yeah. to give two first rounders for maybe someone that's in the mid-20s, 20, 25, 26, but Robinson's 22. And there's a, there is a chance that he can lose his job. I do think it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. he's a very polarising prospect, but you play to, to win the game. You don't, you don't play to yeah. look good next season, do you? So, yeah, I, I've, I, I've put two first and we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that, that's when we spoke about it, that's what I said. We, we play this game to win, don't we? So if you've got, if you're staring at that opportunity of winning a title and, and winning some money if you're in a, in a cash league, then I think you've got to do it, haven't you? We, that's why we play the game to win. So if that's what it costs and you think that's that final piece of the jigsaw, then yeah, I think you've got to pay up and go and win that title. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll move on to the next game and it is the Panthers at the Vikings absolute thrilling finish to this one uh, obviously the Vikings scoring a late touchdown and the Panthers managing to get in field goal position with just a minute left on the clock and missing the chance of winning it with the field goal yeah absolutely guttering if you're a Panthers fan but as a neutral it was a great game to watch especially those that final quarter um, but the standout for me was the the rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson. Just he's just brilliant. I, if you follow me on Twitter, I made a little thread on Justin Jefferson. It's becoming a bit of a thing this now. I'm just going to do a little humble brag that last <laughs> week I did a little thread on Pittman scored a touchdown. This week Jefferson two touchdowns. So keep that. I'm an expert, Kev. We're going to get three touchdowns this week. Yeah, I'll have to put a request <laughs> in for someone that. Uh... <laughs> I need, I, need, who do I need to get some points and uh, I'll do a thread on them and <laughs> but yeah uh, obviously we know Phelan missed this game with uh, the COVID protocols and everything but Jefferson took that role as the, the lead wide receiver and just ran away with it 13 targets 7 receptions 70 yards and those 2 touchdowns that I just spoke about so just really really impressive performance as, as the lead guy and if, if anyone were ever doubting that he could be an alpha in this team, I don't think he can because he just looked great. Obviously, the, the yardage is not the best yardage we've seen from him this season, but just seeing him get those 13 targets and, and looking good while doing it, really impressed by him. Uh, another thing worth noting is that he's being used both in the slot and out, out wide. 
Uh, he's not just being predominantly used in the slot how he was in college. Uh, he's seen pretty much a 50-50 split on, on in the slot and out, out wide. So it's been really great to see that he can do it both for both those roles. And he's now the wide receiver 12 for the season. So he's a rookie that's obviously we, we always speak about how wide receivers can take time to uh, acclimatise the NFL, but this class as a whole has just been brilliant from the wide receiver position and Jefferson's looked fantastic. Um, so what we're thinking with uh, with Jefferson Kev, um, given how stacked this, as I say, this wide receiver class was, is it fair to say that Jefferson could be the potential wide receiver one out of this class, um, given the performances had? Well, are there are the other guys that you'd prefer over Jefferson just at the moment? He's definitely got to be in the conversation. I mean, he's come in. He's a wide receiver one in in uh, fantasy football. Um, he, he's dispelled a lot of the the worries that people were that he, he was a slot receiver. He couldn't play on the outside, and that uh, he was his performances at LSU were all part of a system. But he's really proven himself, and I think. Obviously, people are going to put guys like C.D. Lamb at the top, and I think T. Higgins is worth a, a fair mention as well. Yeah. I, I guess my thoughts on the the rookie the rookie class, uh, in particular the wide receivers, is I've not seen enough from the whole class to say he is definitely the best because there's guys that I liked a little bit over Jefferson uh, in this one, and guys like Mims and Rager that. Mm-hmm. I guess at the moment you'd take Jefferson over them too, but I just think it's a little bit too soon for me. I I tend not to be sort of nailing nailing my, my myself to the mass for one of these for one of these guys. Yeah. Um, but he's, I do think he's definitely worth mentioning in that top couple. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a tough question. I think CD Lamy gets bumped up too high for me. Um, just. It seems like he's on inner tier on his own. Yeah. I think he's he flashed and he, he was brilliant with Dak, but I just think if you like CD Lamb, Justin Jefferson's got to be right there with him. So they they'd be the two standouts with Tiggins not too far behind. If if you had to ask me uh, t- today as such, yeah. Um, where were you on Jefferson before the the draft? Is he is he really uh, showing out for you? Well, you put me on spot because I can't quite remember my uh, my rankings, but <laughs> I think I had him. He definitely wasn't in there. I, I definitely had Lamb first. And then, like you, the two guys just mentioned, Rager and Mims. I think I had Rager second, Mims third, uh, Judy fourth. So I think I had Jefferson, I'm going to say five, but it could have been, it might have been a bit lower, but he definitely wasn't in that. It definitely wasn't the top three anyway, that is a fact. So. And I think now I can't, as you say, I don't think I can be as bullish as some people I've seen on Twitter and say that, oh yeah, he's definitely the, he was my wide receiver one coming into the NFL and he's, he's definitely the wide receiver one now because you can't say that. It's too soon to, to say that any of these guys is the, the guaranteed wide receiver one from this class. That's something you've got to look back on in maybe next season or even potentially even further on than that. It's too soon to say who the wide receiver one. I don't think... Can we even say for definite who was the wide receiver one last year? Because obviously AJ Brown's looked great. Metcalf's obviously dominant, but I don't think we can say a hundred percent that Metcalf's the the wide receiver one. But, all, all I know with Jefferson is he's a better wide receiver than Judy. Yeah, agreed. I think I agree on that. Um, 
What, what were you like on just a quick note on Judy? Were you, did, was he in your top top four or five? I think Judy was my five. Yeah, um, so I think we were quite similar, I think, in yeah. his rankings coming to the NFL. But yeah, I can't say for definite that or any of these guys are the top guys. That, but, but the one thing we can say is that the class has been fantastic and there's just some absolute gems in this class. And if you're able to grab any of them, I'll be grabbing them. Uh, the guys we've mentioned, T. Higgins, Jefferson, uh, etc. So yeah, stack class and just be happy if you've got any piece of them. Grab them gems. So next up, we'll move on to the Cardinals at the Patriots. Yeah, the, the Patriots win this close four contest on a, on a last second field goal. Uh, 20 to 17, they won this one. Uh, Kenyon Drake, one of your guys, he, he flashed him <laughs> a touchdown brace. Uh, but other than that, there wasn't a great deal of fantasy production in this one. Um, and none more true than Patriots QB Cam Newton. Uh, yet again, he looked like a disgrace as a passer, <laughs> uh, going under 100 yards for the second time this season, actually. And it was his second game where he's thrown multiple picks. Now, I do feel for him a bit because his weapons are by far the worst in the league. And... Mm-hmm. The O-line isn't doing uh, a lot to help him, so that's that's regressed from its usual elite self. Um, I don't think the injury he had and the lack of off-season helped him um, be in the best position in a new offence, yeah. but let's be clear, he has underperformed. I think mm-hmm. he, he's far from certain to be a starter in 2021, and that's for the Patriots or any other NFL franchise. There, there might be, it might be that he has to go and be a backup QB somewhere. Uh, I don't know. He's he's still up in the air if if he will actually have a starting job next season. So, um, I want to get your take on Cam as I'm tilting on him in a few leagues. So I'm using this time on the pod to uh, get some more fantasy advice from you, Matt, as you uh, politely uh, outed me in the, the last <laughs> se- section uh, as coming to you for my advice. Um, so yeah, I, I just want to know like. How aggressively should I be looking to acquire a replacement for Cam as my QB 2-3? And will he ever be a viable fantasy QB again? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one with the with Cam because I'm like yourself, actually. I have Cam in a few leagues and a couple of Superflex leagues. Um, I got Cam in the offseason, obviously, when we didn't know if we were ever going to be a starting quarterback again in the NFL. So I'm in the same situation, as I say, in a few leagues and I've got Cam. And I'm, I'm tilting like you because those first two weeks, I thought, hello, I've hit the jackpot here with this one because we know we had a dominant performance in both those first two games. But since then, it's just plummeted severely to back, to, back down to earth. Um, I'm looking to, to get a replacement if I can. Uh, I think you can still offer Cam up as, as a, a part of a trade, but just because of the rushing alone, I think people always obsess over the, the rushing quarterbacks and Cam still smashes in the, the touchdowns uh, himself. Maybe not passing it, he's only got four passing touchdowns, but as far as running it, he's got nine. So he still offers that, that upside with his rushing. So I think you can trade him away, um, as I say, as part of a deal. I'd be looking to get a, a younger guy. Um, would you take a gamble on maybe someone like, someone mentioned last week, Goff maybe? Um, I think he's fairly cheap at the moment with how iffy his performance has been, but we mentioned how he's, he's got like a, a safe role really because of the contract. Um, somebody like Sam Donald as well could be a good option. Um, 
I know we both think he, he has a future in the NFL. I think he can be a starter somewhere else. You could maybe get somebody like him for Cam. Uh, probably get something on top of someone like Donald, uh, as Cam's still starting at the moment. But yeah, I'm like you. I'm I'm trying to get away from Newton now. I'm, I'm struggling to to see him as a, a long term quarterback. Is as you say, struggle coming back from this injury. Is it? Cam's always been somebody that we know can run it, but he's also been good throwing it. He's also like he's always been a good passer of the ball as well as a runner. But this season has just looked terrible. Is it down to to the Patriots offense potentially? Uh, we mentioned earlier that Washington would be a nice landing spot and. There's a chance he could end up somewhere like that, somewhere that just wants a, a bridge quarterback for a year. I think Cam could be a, a good option. I think Cam's one of those players that wants to prove himself. He's, he's somebody who's got he's got a bit of an ego. He, he wants is a winner. I think he's it he came out didn't he when the Patriots were struggling and said out it was on his back yeah, to yeah. bear this team. So all yeah. reasons like that think make me think he could still have a future. But yeah, I, I'm getting concerned, and he's definitely not a long term option for me at quarterback. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the interesting points you made there about Cam was that I, I think unless he has to, he will go. He doesn't want to sit on the bench. He yeah. he'll go wherever will have him. I think so. Yeah. I, I guess mean, his contract yeah. with the Patriots is not a big one, is it? He, no, he took it because he wanted to prove himself. He wanted yeah. to show that he can do it. He struggled this year, but. Yeah, I think he's he's one of those guys that that wants to win. What he wants to carry is thirty-one, so he's he's not ancient, is he, for a quarterback? But obviously, as a rushing quarterback, that is a a slight concern. But yeah, it's a tough one with Newton. You'd have to, you'd have to think as I like it. Imagine what well, I know we keep throwing out quite a few hypothetical things with Newton, but imagine if you wanted him to sort of be a bridge QB for whichever team takes Justin Fields, for example, maybe. Yeah. Um, if he ends up in Jacksonville, the Jags could probably get something for Gardner Minshew in it in a trade. Yeah, I think even if it's a late late rounder, as a, a sending him somewhere as a backup, I think that Cam Newton is ideal as someone that's been to a Super Bowl, that's been an MVP, uh, to to be a sort of placeholder, and um, it might not be the deal he wants, but if it's a starting job, I'm sure he'd be he'd be looking for that. Yeah, that's a great point actually with the Justin Fields. Cause obviously, it'd be a nice transaction as well, going from a uh, transition. Sorry, going from Newton to someone like Fields, they're both similar as, as Russian quarterbacks. So yeah, I think that's that's a great point and something that we could potentially see next year. Yeah, I think we agree that if we do have cameras QB two, we are pretty worried. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely getting worried. So we'll move on to his next game: the Dolphins against the Jets. Dolphins taking home the W in this one. But in all honesty, the Jets had the chances, didn't they? They, they could have easily got yeah. that first win of the season against the Dolphins. And they pushed them close at times. Um, but obviously with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick starting, it's Devante Parker, who I want to talk about, who had one of his best performances of the season, arguably, uh, this week. The highest amount of targets he's had all season with 14. And he turned that into eight receptions for 119 yards. He's still under the wide receiver 29 this season, but... I think that's mainly due to the fact that he's only had four touchdowns this season, so it's not as if he's he's getting those points from the touchdowns. He's having to do it all through the yardage. So I think it, the wide receiver 29 kind of underestimates how well he's performed this year. But he seems to be a much more reliable fantasy asset with, with Fitzpatrick at quarterback rather than yeah. Tua. Yeah. So we know how good Tua is, and me and you are both really high on Tua. 
But at the moment, Walter is still getting used to the NFL, obviously. He, just, he got thrown in at the deep end, didn't he, really, coming in against the tough run of games as well. Uh, so I don't think it can be too much into the Tua thing personally. But what's, what's your feelings with that with Tua and Parker? Obviously, we know if Parker stays around in Miami, he's going to be tied to Tua. I think both of us believe that Tua is the, the franchise quarterback for the Dolphins. Do you think it's the chemistry can be improved over time? Or are you concerned maybe that with Tua, Parker's not going to be the thing he was last year? Yeah, I'm, I'm not actually too concerned about uh, Tua uh, long-term. Mm-hmm. I think, obviously, there is some chemistry with Fitzpatrick, which mm-hmm. which we, we we saw last season. We've seen glimpses this season. Uh, but I'm not too worried about being tied to Tua as such because I, I do think that, it, first of all, it's a small sample size we've seen them together, mm-hmm. but also these these uh, games with Tua, they were quite really strange games where Miami was getting like defensive touchdowns early on and not yeah. needing to throw. So mm-hmm. I guess just on tour as well, we don't really know exactly what he is. We've seen that he's super efficient. Yeah. But until we've seen uh, pass heavy game scripts as such, it's hard to put a, a value on how Parker will look with him. The, the biggest concern for me with Parker is that I don't think that it'll be the alpha for the Dolphins over the next couple of years. I think that they'll yeah. target someone in the draft. And if they took, let's say they took someone early like a Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. I think longer term, that's going to that's gonna really hammer uh, Devontae Parker. And plus, Preston Williams will be coming back as well. He's flashed when he's been healthy. And you've got Gusek Hughes looked good in patches. So I think the biggest concern is, is what they're doing the draft next, se- uh, next season mm-hmm. if they do take an alpha. Um, what, what do you reckon about their chances of taking someone in the draft high? Well, I'm sorry you're laughing, Kev, because we haven't got any of this written down on the show sheet, but I was going to, whatever answer you gave to my question, I was going to come forward with the, the response of, I think they're going to draft a wide receiver in this draft class. <laughs> Heroes. <laughs> Obviously, we know the Dolphins, they've got two first-round picks next year, I believe, and two second-round picks. Yeah. For me, I've got to believe that they're taking a wide receiver. I think beyond Parker and... Preston Williams has, has looked good, but he's struggled with injuries, obviously, lately um, and at the end of last season. So there's nothing really beyond those two. And even with Williams, is I don't think it's set in stone that he's a long-term answer for the Dolphins. So, yeah, I w- <laughs> I'm laughing because I was going to say the exact same thing. I think they're drafting a, a wide receiver. They've got to, with, with that with that equity they've got in those first two rounds and with the how good this class is in 2021, I think they've got to get at least one wide receiver in those with those first four picks yeah. in the first two rounds. Imagine if the, the Packers and uh, didn't oh. take a wide receiver in such well, a such heavy class. That's it. It, it, it. it could happen, but I don't think the Dolphins will make the same mistake that the, the Packers made. The nah. Dolphins have, have arguably looked really good this year. Uh, they, they've done it the right way, didn't they, when they, they tanked last year? Yeah. They, they've... they've so they've done brilliant with it, to be honest. They've, they've got the future quarterback and they've set themselves up nicely for this draft. So the Dolphins have done it the right way. And future's looking really good for the Dolphins. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think they're drafting a, a wide receiver and that is my biggest concern with Parker. Me too. <laughs> so we'll go on to his next game, which was the Saints against the Broncos. 
Yeah, this was <laughs> such a crazy build-up in this one. Uh, the Saints won it 31-3, to but, I mean, it was all about the build-up for me. The, mm-hmm. the free QBs of the Broncos were inactive due to high-risk COVID close contact in the quarterback room where none of the players were wearing masks. I don't think that actually does Drew Locke too many favours long-term. I think the fact that he, he wasn't wearing a mask and mm. he, he, obviously... The Broncos got embarrassed and he was on a yeah. short leash anyway. I can't, I didn't see a, a chance that he'd be the starting QB next season, but mm-hmm. I just think that that's the absolute nail in the coffin. That he, I mean, they got they got embarrassed. The fact that they yeah. they had a practice squad wide receiver playing at QB, um, kept Kendall in, and it wasn't his fault, uh, mm-hmm. but he completed one pass all game. And <laughs> it's unreal. I can't believe we're talking an NFL team and we're talking about. A wide receiver having to start at quarterback, it's just crazy, and as you say, a complete embarrassment really for the Broncos. And I think the league, the the reason they played the game is because that they've clearly broken protocols, and yeah. it's it's not where they've been following the, the rules and guidance, and mm-hmm. um, got got unlucky as such. It's the fact that they've they broke the rules, so they've been made an example of, which got yeah. really embarrassing for the the franchise as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned Kendall Hinton then as the QB on one side, but it's actually the other QB that I wanted to look at the, in Taysom Hill. And now it's, it's actually the second week we've discussed him, but I do think he's such a fascinating um, player to discuss. He, he only completed nine passes himself, but he did save his fantasy day with two rushing touchdowns. And he now moves to 2-0 and as a starter. Um, he's, he's put solid, solid enough numbers in, in relief of Drew Brees. Um, I, I thought Hill looked good as a pass last week, but less impressive this week. But it, it didn't need to be anything special at all this week. I'm still in a bit of shock that he actually got the start over Winston last <laughs> week. But uh, Peyton has been saying all along that Taysom will get the chance at the starting job uh, after Breeze is uh, is retires as such or at the end of the season. So it could be as early as next season where Taysom Hill is the starter for the Saints, which. Um, it's quite a funny sentence to say, but <laughs> I, I just wondered what, what your thoughts were on Taysom Hill, the fact that he's likely available for a second rounder. Is he worth the gamble that he does become the starting QB next season? Does that make him a buy target for you, or, or do you just think he's a novelty that will will um, maybe get a shot, but not be a long-term solution? Well, again, I'm laughing here because I actually just acquired Taysom Hill uh, <laughs> yesterday. And I paid a 2022 second round pick for him. Okay, that's good. In a team where I'm, in all honesty, I'm, I'm probably not going to win it this year. I'm, I'm fighting for a playoff spot. As we mentioned earlier, it's all about winning, isn't it, this game? So yeah. get myself in the playoffs and roll the dice and see what happens. Um, so, yeah, he's somebody that I've actually acquired for, as you say, it's a second round pick. That's exactly what I paid for him. Yeah. Um, thinking long term, I'm not. But I'm by no means convinced that he's the future of of, uh, of this franchise. I don't think he's the future quarterback. Or I'm not. I can't say for definite he's going to be anyway. Um, the future starting quarterback. We mentioned it last week. That the one issue is how good he is at passing the ball. We mentioned about how he underthrew uh, Sanders last week and that that deep ball by about 15 yards. That's always going to be something that's a concern. Is it something he can improve on? Possibly. But yeah. he's by no means a young guy. We mentioned it last week, 30 years old. So 
it's, it's teaching an old dog new tricks rather than a yeah I, I just i'm not i'm not sold on him basically is what i'm trying to say yeah uh he does offer a good fantasy upside because of his rushing but i don't think his numbers have looked good because he's got those two touchdowns in both these last two games is that is that something we can rely on every week i'm not as i'm not so sure um but just speaking about this season he's got the falcons again this week we know what he did uh, a couple of weeks ago against yeah. falcons put up good numbers so i think is it I believe week 15's when Breeze is in to come back. Is, yeah, uh, that's I right. Believe, yeah. I think it's around week 15. So we're, we're talking potentially two more games of Hill. Um, or do they just stick with Hill until they get to the playoffs? I think it's looking like the Saints are going to grab that playoff spot. Maybe they, they don't rush Breeze back. Maybe sit him out for a, a game or two longer. So from a fantasy perspective, I think Hill could be quite a nice little target for this season. As I say, beyond the seasons where I, I do start to question whether he will be that starting guy. And if Breeze does retire, are the Saints going to be, um, will they feel confident just being sitting on Hill rather than having another guy there uh, alongside Hill? That's that's my only issue, I think. What do you think, Kev? I don't know, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> it's tough one, isn't it? Because it, yeah. we're talking about a quarterback that can't, he's not looked good passing it. I mean, what can, you, what, what can we say? I mean, he's he's doing more than Cam Newton, isn't he? So, it's, <laughs> um, I mean, the stats you could say there were Cam Newton stats. Looking at the yeah, limit of passing amount, I I do think that if you gamble on him and it hits for a second rounder, you you're potentially seeing a massive spike in value. If he, if he is the starter next season, mm. you could easily just buy him now and sell him, uh, sell him when he gets named the starter, but. The the only worry is that that Breeze stays on. I think I do believe that yeah. I do believe Peyton that if Breeze does retire, I think Taysom will be the starter. But I just think that paying a second rounder for him, if he's not the starter next season, if Breeze does mm-hmm. stay on, yeah, it's kind of like that that opportunity cost that you wait in, you wait in a couple of years to see uh, to get anything back, and then by then you don't know. You don't know what the offense is going to look like. Um, there's all sorts to factor in. So I'm yeah. still shying away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually got one league where I've got Cam Newton, and I'm strongly considering getting Taysom Hill, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, just, it's just a risky one. Yeah. I think it, it depends. It all depends on I think on your roster, uh, how many draft picks you've got. If you've got a couple of seconds, three second round picks. You'd, I'd, I'd be happy to throw one to get Hill and, and see where it takes you. But if you're on a roster where you're struggling, you've got a lot of aging players and, and you need those rookie picks, then I'm probably not going to acquire a 30-year-old quarterback. But it all, it all comes down to your roster, I guess, doesn't it? It's a, yeah. Let's just say it's a, it's a risky move that could potentially pay off. It all, it all factors down to how much you need to take that risk, I think. Yep, I agree with that. So we'll go on to his next game, which was the 49ers against the Rams. 49ers taking this one with a, a game-winning field goal, a 42-yard field goal by Robbie Gold. So uh, a great win for the 49ers. Uh, I've actually got a couple of friends that are 49ers fans and didn't want to win this one. <laughs> they didn't want in that, that high draft pick. So if you're a fan, maybe you're not too excited, but you want to see your team winning now at the end of the day. Oh, you do, yeah. Debo Samuel having a, a huge game, 113 yards. Uh, in his first appearance since week seven. So great to see Debo back and, and looking really good. 
But I was also impressed by uh, Cam Akers, the running back for the Rams. Now, he only had 27% snap share and he only had nine rushing attempts. But he turned that into 84 yards and a touchdown. So, impressive, I'd say. I think that's an impressive performance. Um, a big chunk of that came from just that single 61-yard run. So, it's worth noting that. But I think, for me personally, I think he's the most explosive running back on this Rams roster, especially when you compare it to someone like Henderson, who had 10 carries for 19 yards, and Malcolm Brown, who had three carries for four yards. Just nothing from those two guys. Cam Akers comes on and just looks explosive, and he proved it with that run, that, that big um, 61-yard run. So for me personally, I'm hoping that this performance gives Akers that, that more opportunity now for the rest of the season, but I do still believe it's going to be a committee for, for at least the rest of this season. I don't think just off the back of that one performance that the Rams are just going to make uh, Akers the lead guy and, and and shy away from this committee that they've got going. But what do you think, Kev? Um, in 2021, do we do we think Akers is, is going to have taken over and be the lead guy of this backfield? And if you do think he's going to be the lead guy, I think he's now the, the ideal time to buy him while he's, he's not dominating those touches. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one, this. I think... For me, he is the most talented running back on that roster. Um, there's no doubt about that for me. Um, my big concern is that this will, I do firmly believe this will be a split backfield again, even next year. Um, I think it'll be him and Henderson split in time. I do do reckon that he will see the majority of the touches. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't really trust McVeigh, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I think... Yeah. The talents there, no doubt. I think it, it was a bit of a raw prospect coming out was Acres with mm-hmm. that bad offensive line and a few things he needed to possibly change in his game coming into the NFL. But I just I struggle to see him as the sole lead guy as someone with such a clear opportunity as 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 we potentially would see with someone like a DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see that similar opportunity for Acres. So, I guess for me, I personally wouldn't buy him low. I do think that there's a lot of name value for Acres still out there. Um, I, I do have him on one team, on, on a co-team, but um, the, the, the sort of offers you get for that are, are pretty laughable. But there is interest in him still, so I do think there is a, a name value out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have him actually... In a tier on his own in the in the rookie class, I think there's the top two, then the four I mentioned before: uh, Robinson, Gibson, Taylor, Dobbins. Then I've got a bit of a gap to Acres. Are you similar in that, or do you actually have him grouped in with those guys? I think I still do. I think I still do have him with those guys. I think I was a bit more higher on him coming into the NFL than what maybe you were. Yeah, uh, I think I had Acres as high as four. Um, at the start of the season, maybe even three. <laughs> um, so I was a big fan of him. Uh, I, I like what I saw in college. I think he's he's a really interesting player because we know how we're playing in college with a, a bad O-line and, and making things happen. And it, it dropped into an offense, which was arguably a very similar situation. I think it's worth noting that the Rams have actually looked better. I'd say the O-lines look better this year than it did last season. Um, but... Yeah, I think I'm I'm still a believer of Akers and 
me personally, I would be. I think I would be buying him low now. Um, but it's difficult to say because I was so high on him. I actually have him quite a few space, uh, quite a few rosters, so it's quite hard for me to buy low. But yeah, overall, I think purely based on the fact that his usage is so low at the minute, I'd be, I'd be trying to buy him if there's a, an owner out there that's a bit disgruntled by the fact he's because the, the, they've likely spent a mid first round on him in the rookie in the rookie draft. They might be getting frustrated that he's not offered that, that um, immediate value that some of the other rookie running backs have offered. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the only way you're going to get him is if an owner's starting to get a bit disgruntled. I think if you could get him for a second, I'd do that, definitely. Mm. But um, yeah. for a first, I think that's probably my, my limit. Yeah, I think with with the... Cla- yeah, yeah. Let's just say I agree. Yes! <laughs> so we'll go on to his next game, which was the Chiefs at the Buccaneers. Yeah, I, I'm not going to build this one up. Um <laughs> Matt, where were you when Tyreek Hill had uh, 203 yards, two touchdowns and 39 fantasy points in the first quarter? Oh, very very memorable. I was I was laying on my sofa <laughs> watching <laughs> telly. <laughs> Something I'll never forget. <laughs> I, I'm the same, but in, in my own house, obviously, because that'd be a bit uh, weird. Yeah, not, not, on, not on my sofa. <laughs> we weren't cuddling on sofa watching the uh, Red Zone. <laughs> I mean, what an outstanding performance. Uh, and this was against a pretty solid cornerback in Gatlin Davis, who got smoked on this one. Um, he'll ended up with 57.9 fantasy points on the week. And I do believe this is actually the highest number of fantasy points scored in a single game of our era, but I might be wrong on that. Um, it it just seems the most I've seen before. So yeah. um, I think historically with Tyreek, there's there's been this stigma attached that he's boom bust, but actually looking deeper at his numbers, he's been so consistent over the past couple of seasons. Um, he's got that perfect combo, the the super high floor and the high ceiling as well. And he's yeah. tied to the clear QB one in Dynasty, Pat Mahomes. Um, I just, yeah, at 26, what, I just want to know why you think that nobody talks about Tyree Kill as a potential wide receiver one in Dynasty. And do you think he should be in consideration to be the wide receiver one T.O. Well, Oh, God, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Your jokes get worse, I think, every week. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, I think oh, potentially the, the off-field issues with Hill, maybe. Obviously, yeah. last off-season, we had the whole thing where we, Hill was potentially looking at being a, just gone from the NFL after the off-field uh, problems. I think maybe that's one one reason. I think owners are a bit concerned uh, about that. But I think you've got to now start this season, from what he's done this season, I think you've got to start talking about him as, as the wide receiver one. Um, it's just been brilliant. As you say, he's not looked boom or bust this year at all. Even before this week, he's st- I think he was still top three wide receiver. So just constantly putting up 27, 33 points last few weeks. Getting those targets, I think that's one thing we worry about, that Hill's not getting the targets because he's such a speedster and we think he's just stretching the field. Um, we do worry that he's boom or bust, but he's seen plenty of targets this year. Um, yeah, I think we've, we've got to mention him as a the wide receiver one, purely based on the facts you've, you've mentioned about him being on such a high-powered offense. Pat Mahomes is always going to be slinging it. Even when they're down, he's still seeing it because he's that good. He can. They don't need to lean on on the run because 
just Mahomes is that good. He, he just finds his target all the time. So, yeah, it's got to be at least discussed as a, a the wide receiver one and definitely top three wide receivers for me. Yeah, I actually don't have him in any leagues, which I'm. No. I don't. I don't actually think I've had him in any league um, in his career for some reason. It's a complete fluke. Um, I guess there's there's people that just like him more than me, but yeah, I I think he's well within uh, well within a shout of being the wide receiver one in, in Dynasty. Now now that I've actually looked a bit deeper and seen that he is actually really consistent and he's not giving you these boom bust weeks that seem to be made out by the community. Yeah, he's on track for his highest amount of receptions and targets, I think, in, in his career. So with that, I think we've, we've got that, that floor now. Um, yeah, got to got to mention him as a, as a wide receiver one, I think. One T-Hill. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't so, work the first time, you just keep saying it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go on to the next game, which was the Bears against the Packers. Easy win for the Packers, getting that big lead early on. Bears just fighting back with garbage time points, but never threatening at all to, to get back into this one. Uh, the one guy that I want to talk about there is David Montgomery, the running back for the Bears. Quite a polarising player, I think, in the, in the fantasy community. Um, but having easily his best performance of the season with 103 rushing yards and um, on only 11 carries and five receptions as well for 40 yards. It's not, it's not been pretty, has it, with Montgomery? No. It never is when it comes with Montgomery, but he is the RB15, so... Yeah, that's a shock, that, isn't it, as well? Yeah, like... yeah. considering how, how bad everyone slates him and you see his, his average uh, carries, um, yards per carry, you think, how is he doing it? But it, it, it comes down to, I think, the usage. He's seen an uptick in that receiving usage with uh, Cohen obviously going down earlier in the season. And when Foles come in as well, we said we mentioned on this podcast that we, we thought we were going to see that uptick in, in receptions because Foles is such a static quarterback that those dump offs are, are going to be going to Montgomery. And he's averaging five targets a game, which is we mentioned it earlier that the volume's king for running backs and receptions are just a cherry on top of the cake, aren't they, when it, when it comes to running backs? Yeah. And he's one of the few guys that's seen that. that Workhorse, workhorse role, getting the, the carries on the receptions, and his remaining schedule, as we mentioned with Henry, it couldn't get much better for for Montgomery. Lions, Texans, Vikings, and Jags, four great matchups. Um, so, given that we, we know he's got this really nice schedule, would you be targeting Montgomery if you're a contending team? It's, it's really tricky for me this one because I don't actually think he's a very talented prospect, and I think. The, the situation, it's, it's, it's really working to his favour, the fact that Cohen's not there. And you, you, just, look, you just look on sleeper at the, at the fixtures and it's just a sea of green. Like, yeah. he, in theory, he should have a really nice finish to the season. Mm-hmm. I just worry about that talent as such. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think he, he, he should be in consideration as a target for a contending team. The, the issue you've got is, if you're a contending team, what, what, what sort of running backs have you got already? Because mm. I, always, I always seem to find that if you've got good running backs, you're a contender. Yeah. Or that you can't be a contender without good running backs unless you're, mm. you're absolutely stacked everywhere else. So I just think like... 
I don't know, I'm just trying to think of a player. Let's say your running back two was Kenyon Drake, for example. Would, would I feel confident going to get someone like Montgomery to play instead of Kenyon Drake and, and spending a second-round draft pick? And I just think probably not. Even though he's got this really nice schedule, I just think that you'd have to be really hurting at your running back two position for to, for to play him. And that might be some some negative stigma that I've got attached to Montgomery where as a, as a player I don't rate him and I'm maybe factoring that in too much when really I should just be looking at the fantasy numbers because essentially that's what it's all about. But yeah, I, I think I'm cooler than most on Montgomery. Um, but but yeah, what about you? Would you go for him? I think I would, yeah. I think I would be targeting him. Um, it, as always with fantasy, it comes down to, to what your roster's like and what other teams' rosters are like. If Montgomery's on a, a team that's not going to make the playoffs this year and maybe looking to rebuild, I think you could get Montgomery for uh, early second. I think you could get him for yeah. early second. Yeah, and I, I think the, the owner of Montgomery would be happy to give that to give Montgomery up for that because we know how volatile running backs can be if they're rebuilding, as we always we always tout, get get your other players sorted first and then get your running backs. So I think if I'm rebuilding, I'm happy to give Montgomery away because I'm not convinced about his uh, his long term role in the NFL. I'm like you, I'm not a huge fan of his talent, but it all just comes down to the workload for me. And if I'm looking at this season, he's getting the workload and with running backs they can drop off quite easily, they can get injured and what have you. So I think if, you, if you're aiming to get in the playoffs or you're already locked in that playoff spot, you want to get as many running backs as you can just in case one goes down. You don't want to put yourself in that, that situation where you're starting someone like Matt Breed or someone like, do you know what I mean? Somebody that's just, you, you're just wishing for that one good game from them. So I think a lot of players do that, target running backs, especially on teams that are, if they're, Rebuilding, target those teams and try and get the running backs. That's my that's my uh, my my strategy anyway, Kev. Yeah, you don't want to start Matt Breed, are you rubbish? <laughs> <laughs> so just quickly mentioning uh, about his long term outlook. Do you, do you think he's a starter next year for the Bears? I think he'll be the starter. Yep, yeah. I think a lot will depend on um, what happens with that team at QB and mm-hmm. maybe may an offensive coordinator or. Or our coach. I mean, well, Nagy's done a, a fair job, but you never know. I, I just think that he will be a start for next season, but he, I think it'll look a lot different with Cohen back there. I think he'll see less pass game opportunity. Which, yeah. if he's if he's averaging two yards a carry and not getting <laughs> any pass work and on a potentially bad team, that is a recipe yeah. for disaster for me. Yeah, I just think if. If you can get Montgomery now, it might be a good time to get him, as I say, because of the schedule. He can potentially put up a few good performances. If you're not a believer, you can move him on at the end of the year off the back of those performances. I think that's a potential strategy if you're looking to acquire a bit of value. I wouldn't personally, but... Uh... <laughs> I'm waiting for you to back me up there, Kevin. I'm waiting for, waiting for you to agree with me. <laughs> nah, nah. I just, I just think... Um, like it, his value is now to sell. I think yeah. if you if you okay. get him and try and sell him at the end, yeah, of the sell season, him off the back of the the schedule. Yeah, you yeah. You, you could do that, I guess. Um, yeah. I think that just proves what I said about he's a polarizing player. In, yeah, in, in, yeah. In the community, I think that's across the whole board. I think a lot of people you've got truthers, and then you've got people that are just completely out on him. 
Like so me. we'll move. <laughs> yeah, like him. So we'll move on to the final game then, which was the Seahawks at the Eagles. Your Eagles. Oh, yeah. Um, the beloved Eagles. <laughs> yeah. So the, yeah, the Seahawks came into to Philly and won twenty three to seventeen, just like they did in the twenty nineteen playoffs. Um, bit of danger, have you actually? DK Metcalf dominated in that game as well as this one. Um, yet again, the Eagles' offense was really hard to watch. It was very little positive to take from the performance. Uh, I'm really glad I stayed up till five in the morning. Um, but uh, one of the most disappointing performances was uh, Miles Sanders, who yeah. he had several drops on the night and he was used sparingly. Um, he did have a two-point conversion late on, but this was actually the lowest fantasy output of his career so far with... Well, since his first game of his career so far, um, six point two fantasy points. Uh, we all we all know that the talent is Vef Sanders. It's it's just been this point in the season for the Eagles as a whole. Um, and I just think that offense, it's really hard to trust anybody outside of God at this moment. Um, yeah. So with so much uncertainty surrounding the Eagles' offense for this season and beyond, is Sanders someone that you? would want to buy a low or are you avoiding because there's so many question marks regarding QB, offence, O-line, uh, if they're going to rebuild. So much going on. Is he someone that you are happy to go for on the going into his third season or are you uh, avoiding this uh, absolute dumpster fire? Yeah, I think it's, it's quite tough with Sanders for me because uh, I'm like a lot of people. I'm a big believer in his talent Um but as we mentioned earlier a bit with um, about Gibson and, and buying into that potential, I think that's kind of what we do with Sanders a little bit. We've seen flashes of what he can do and, we, and his value then reflects that, the, the, the potential, rather than what he's actually producing on a consistent basis. He's, even this season, he's not, I wouldn't say he's been consistent as he is. He's had, he's had those big games, but he's also had those games where he's getting you nine points, 11 points, eight points. Um, and as you say, six points this week. So that would be a concern for me. Um, moving moving forward with Sanders is is the value. I don't think if you can get him low and and get him cheap. If if there's an owner that's starting to become frustrated, then yeah, for sure, I'm I'm buying him because I'm a believer in the talent. I just think the the value that is at at the minute is more of his potential rather than what his actual performances are. What what do you think, Kev? Yeah, I I think. You made a good point on Gibson there. I think that I'd treat Sanders pretty similar in the sense that if you was getting him as your RB2, trading for him to be your RB2, you're a lot happier with that because we have seen the variance that he's, he's shown. Um, I'd, if if you're trading for him and he's going to be your, your number one, then I will probably aim a bit higher. Uh, I, I, I mean, we do love Miles Sanders, but mm-hmm. that team as a whole, it's it's pretty worrying. And yeah. I just think that with a with a running back, they are they're very reliant on the the situation as a whole. And I think it's potentially going to be a bad situation for the rest of season and probably next season as well, while the Eagles are rebuilding. So I'd be happy getting him as my uh, running back to a discount, but. Um, yeah, I don't know if you if you seem to find this, but I I seem to find that Miles Sanders owners they uh, they love him so much uh, mm-hmm. that 
there might not even be a, a buy low opportunity. Um, it might be because there's a few guys in my leagues that are homers uh, <laughs> or, or that just have these man crushes on Sanders. But um, yeah, I think yeah. I'd say the majority of owners are people that have probably bought him last season in the hopes he was going to explode this season, and they probably played a paid a, a high price for him. So I don't think they'd be they'd be too willing to to sell him low now after after buying him for such a price in the off season. That's that's the way I view it. I think um, there'll not be many people that are, that have had Sanders um, all the way since the, the rookie drafts. And, it, and, and, if, and even if they are, they're, they're still holding on, aren't they? Because they paid that. It was like an early first rounder, weren't he, when he was uh, drafted. So, yeah, I think that's the reason why he's probably not an, an easy player to buy low on. Yeah, he's obviously been really disappointing, but he's... Uh... Just for the record, he's still better than Josh Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. I still better than yes! Josh Jacobs. <laughs> right, so that brings us to the end. Obviously, we can't talk about the Steelers against the Ravens because, well, who knows what's happening with that game. It keeps getting pushed back. It's scheduled to, to be on tomorrow night, but I'm not too sure myself. If I think that the NFL want it to be played, don't they? So they're, yeah. they're doing everything they can to get played, but who knows with that one. So yeah, that brings us to the end. I uh, just want to thank the listeners for tuning in. Uh, be sure to subscribe, obviously, uh, to the podcast, wherever you listen to the podcast. And follow us on Twitter as well, uh, at Fantasy Wildcard. Um, yeah, I've enjoyed this one, Kev. Yeah, it's been fantastic, Matt. Thanks for having us. And yeah, have a good one. Yeah, we, we, can, we can take a breather now after smashing in all those 15 games. Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks, guys. Cheers. Ta-da. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.